Lord, we echo Psalm 8. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And Father, we come before you praising you. Father, we come before you lifting up the name of Jesus. And we come before you asking for your spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, to open our eyes, awaken us to truth. God, give us, give us what you would have for us today. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. I watched an interview this week with Oxford chemist Peter Atkins. You may or may not be familiar with him, but you probably know someone similar to him. He's someone who does not believe in the existence of God. In fact, he's someone who is outspoken against people believing in the existence of God. Mr. Atkins does not care for people believing in the existence of God so much to that he is vocal against scientifically how God could not exist. In fact, he goes even a bit further. In the interview, he was asked, well, is there any evidence that could bring you to a place where you could believe in the existence of God? And Mr. Atkins says, well... Uh, I think I can honestly say no. And the interviewer asked him, he said, well, so you're saying that you have an a priori, a, a predetermined belief against God. And no matter what happens, you would not believe in God. And he says, well, yes. And, and, and he says, well, I'm just saying that, that I don't think there could ever be anything. And then he goes on to say, even if the, some God wrote my name in the stars and it said, Peter, believe in God, I would think I had gone crazy. Not that there was really a God. Why are some people convinced That there is a God and further that Jesus Christ is his son. And some people would not be convinced if it were written literally in the stars. Why? Make this a bit more personal for you. Why do you, Christian, believe that there is a God And that Jesus Christ is his son. And that he died, was buried, and rose from the dead. And yet we pray for people every week in this church that do not believe those things. Why? What's the difference? Genetics, attitude, predisposition, why? And I think we've all wrestled with this question of, I, I don't understand why you can't believe. And then sometimes we think, well, if I just get louder, maybe they'll believe. Does it work? So what's the difference? 
If you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to open up to John chapter 14. <coughs> Excuse me. We finished the life of Jesus this week, and I had planned this morning to, to preach on the cross and the resurrection. I spoke at length uh, on the resurrection Wednesday night. I'm sorry, Thursday night. It's on our Facebook page. If you want to go hear of the resurrection, I encourage you to go do so. But as I was praying through this, I... I I hit several things at the end of John and the beginning of Acts as we started this week in our Bible reading that I wanted to give to you. Now, as you remember, many of you, we're we're walking through the Bible together as a church this week. We've we've talked about creation, fall, redemption, and kingdom. And and right here, we've talked about this just about every week. And, And now we're in the kingdom phase of... We are, Jesus came and established the kingdom of God. And, and when we get to Acts, we see a transformation of the church. And there is an agent of transformation like no other that completely transforms people who had followed Jesus into vibrant warriors for the kingdom of God. And I wonder if anybody, any of you could tell me Who that agent is. Who is the agent that took people who followed Jesus and transformed them into warriors for the kingdom of God? Somebody help me out. It's the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus begins to tell his followers, I'm going to send you someone. The Holy Spirit of God, the comforter, the paraclete. Boy, this just kept kept getting to me. And let me read to you from John chapter 3, verse (coughs) 3. Jesus speaking with Nicodemus says this statement. And I think this herein lies the answer to the question I asked you. What is the difference between someone who believes in God and someone who couldn't be convinced even if it were written in the stars? Jesus says this. Truly I say to you, unless one is what? Born again. He cannot what? See. See. Kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God even if it were written literally in the stars. So what is born againness? We've talked about this. A born againness, and we'll read this in the scripture here in a bit, is being Filled with the Holy Spirit, being transformed from death to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit power that transformed followers of Jesus into warriors for the kingdom or advocates for the kingdom, laborers in the kingdom. Now, if you are a member of this church, thank you for being a member. You have... If you have joined under my pastoral leadership, you would have been asked to read and affirm the Baptist faith and message, which is a group of uh, beliefs, a document of beliefs. I'm going to read something to you from what you believe, or at least you're supposed to believe as a member of this church. If you don't believe this, please come and talk to me. This is our statement of belief on who the Holy Spirit is, and Ms. Stacy has typed it up for us. God the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God fully divine. He inspired holy men of old to write the scriptures. Through illumination, that is what he does to those writing it, through illumination, illumination, he enables men to understand the truth. He illuminates your heart, your eyes, your spiritual eyes and mind. He exalts Christ. He convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls men to the Savior and affects regeneration. At the moment of regeneration, he baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. He, the Holy Spirit of God, cultivates Christian character. He comforts believers. He bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. I continue. He seals the believer unto the day of final redemption. His presence in the Christian is the guarantee that God will bring the believer into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And finally, he enlightens and empowers the believer and the church in worship, evangelism, and in what? Service. I once had a friend say, you know, some people focus too much on the Holy Spirit. And it caught me off guard. Now, I know that there are movements and and even church gatherings who tend to focus on, and I'm going to use quotes, the Spirit in a different way than we do. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But I want to say from a purely doctrinal standpoint. I do not believe you can focus too much on the Holy Spirit of God. He is nearest to us than any other. He is in us. And He deserves all of our affection and all of our attention in our soul. The Spirit of God is the same Spirit of the Father and the Son. Hear me, church. There is no separate Holy Spirit of God who is different from the Father and the Son. He is God in you and in me. Draw near to the Spirit of God. Now, with that said, do not define the Spirit of God how you want to. There are bounds and there are truth. There is truth given to us of who the Spirit of God is. And this is why John tells us to test the spirits because not all are of God. There are a lot of spirits out there. You all know them. The spirit of the age. The spirits of the age. But there is but one Holy Spirit of God. And his word clearly gives us who he is. All right.
So here's my purpose this morning. I want to give you how do we know how to define the Holy Spirit? How do you describe the Holy Spirit of God? Because I can tell you, you can go different directions and find different churches that will give you a very different expression or understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm not really concerned about what other churches do. I'm concerned about what does the Bible tell us? What did Jesus tell us about the spirit he was sending? Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Okay. John 14, verse 15. I read this earlier. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another what? Helper. The Greek word there is paraclete. What is a paraclete? It's what you put on before you go to the football game, right? Paraclete. No, but, but yeah. So let me give you why. This Greek word is, is helpful because it helps us understand who the Holy Spirit is. The paraclete is understood as an advocate, as a helper. Uh, I had lunch with an attorney this week. And I, and I asked, what does it mean to be an attorney? Like, what, what is that? And he says, I fight for my clients. Pretty good description, isn't it? Well, the Holy Spirit fights for his clients, his people. That is you, Christian. He is there to help you when you need help. Now, for some of you, you're saying, amen, amen, amen. And for some of you, you're going, I don't really need much help. And that probably is a reflection that you need more help. Amen. He is our pair of cleats. He is our helper when that ground is soggy. He is our helper when we don't know what to pray. Romans 8. We'll look at this at that one as well. The Spirit of God is our helper when we're not brave enough or bold enough. He is our helper. Case in point, Peter. Peter was warming himself around a fire and a, a young slave girl came and said, I know your accent. This young slave girl looked a lot like Darlene, I think. I know that accent. You're from Galilee too, aren't you? And what did Peter do? I don't know him. I curse God. No, I don't know him. And then when Peter's before the high and exalted Council of Jews after the Holy Spirit is with him, and they say, Stop preaching in the name of Jesus. What does Peter do? Turns around and says, I'm preaching to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Difference? Holy Spirit of God in his soul. Now, I'll just ask y'all Do you live by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you live by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you find yourself cowering in the face of opposition to your Lord Jesus Christ? Or do you find yourself emboldened in the name of Jesus Christ? Do you live in the power of the Holy Spirit? I fear that many, many Christians live as, I, I, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I'm born again. And it stops right there. That's not what Jesus called his followers to do 
Nor do I believe that's what he calls you to do based on what the scripture teaches us. He has called us to be advocates, witnesses in his kingdom. Let me keep going. I will give you another helper. Verse 17. Uh, verse, end of verse 16. He says to be with you forever. To, to be with you the rest of the age. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth. <coughs> Notice he is the spirit of what church? What is he going to do for us? To give us what? If it's a lie, it's not from the spirit of God. Put it that easy. If it's not true, it doesn't come from the spirit of God. Test the spirits, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Even if it were written in the stars, the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Sometimes we wonder why people won't just come to Jesus. You know him, Christian, for he dwells with you and he will be where? In you. If you are in Christ, you have the Spirit of God. We just read that from our statement of beliefs, which is drawn from the Scriptures. He is in you, Christian. There is no room for weakened Christianity. You are filled with the Spirit of the Most High God. When we shy away, what are we thinking? Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. What does the spirit of God do? He brings to us life. In that day, you will know that I am in the father And you in me and I in you. Let me keep going. John 14 verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. Go. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all things. That I have said to you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus is leaving the spirit with us. And what does he say will be the byproduct of that in verse 27? What does he say? Church, help me out. Peace. He's leaving the Spirit of God who's going to bring to you peace. Shalom. Peace. It is a rightness. It is a settledness in your soul. It is what allows Peter to look out and say, you're telling me not to do this because you'll put me in jail. God told me to do it. Therefore, I do it. Peter's words were, You tell me if it's right to listen to God or to man. But as for me, I'm listening to God. Peace. Not as the world gives peace. The world offers peace. Y'all know this, right? 
many spirits of this world offer you peace with this pill, with this substance, with this relationship, with this sport, with this accolade, with this success. The spirit of success, it will bring you peace. Oh, you, you want a little more? Sure. Just take a little more. You'll get peace. You just need a little bit, bit more. The helper brings us peace. Let me give you an illustration. <clears throat> when a child has a bad dream, What do they do generally when they wake up middle of the night? What do they do? Wake up. Oh, no. I can tell you what my children did. They walked up and they got into mom's bed. That's what they did. They wanted to be with mom. I mean, it was just last week and Eli was crawling in. No, I can't. <laughs> They go to a place of comfort. Hey, Christian, y'all hear me? The Spirit of God is your comfort. He's your comfort. Don't forget that. The world offers all day long. But Jesus has given to you the Spirit of comfort. John 15. John 15. We're jumping through it. Oh, I love this passage. Abide in me and I in you. John 15 verse 4. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you, what? Abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him and I in him and I in him. You'll see it right there. And I in him. I don't have a flesh and bones Jesus in me, do I? What do I have? This Holy Spirit of God is in me. And I in Him. He it is that bears much fruit. Did you see that? If the Spirit of God is abiding in you, Christian, what happens? You bear much fruit. Do you see it? For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can bear no fruit. And y'all probably are familiar. I didn't put them up there, Stacy. But Galatians 5, 23 speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. Y'all can probably list them. If not, it's okay. Listen to these. Can y'all help me out? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Thank you, Stacy. Do you see that? And I in him, he it is that bears much what? Fruit. The Spirit of God is our helper to bear fruit. Because he's in you. Christian, let me ask you. How much love are you bearing 
and oftentimes we look at this and we say, oh, I'm going to be more loving. Don't we? I'm going to be more self-controlled. I'm going to be more gentle. Let me remind you, this is not the fruit of Dixie. It's not the fruit of Nicole. Whose fruit is it? It's the fruit of the spirit of the living God. What you need to do, Dixie and Nicole, is to say, I surrender myself to you, Lord. Bear the fruit, your fruit of self-control in me. I surrender to you, Lord. Bear the fruit of gentleness in me. It's not our fruit. It's the fruit of what? Spirit of God. Surrender yourself, Christian. Yeah, that's just part of what we do often. That we try to take control because it's worked so many times. I wanted to quit smoking, so I just stopped smoking. And then I started again, probably. And then I stopped again. And I, but we think that's the way. That's not the way the Spirit bears fruit in us. He bears fruit in us by us humbling ourselves Saying, Father, bear your fruit in me, the fruit that is necessary to be a laborer in the kingdom. To be an advocate for the kingdom, a fighter for the kingdom. Later in John 15, Jesus says this in that same passage this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you he starts off with the bearing the fruit of love that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has no one than this than what he lay down his life first friends there's that surrender again christian you are called to surrender to the spirit of god in your life daily and for those around you what is love? Somebody help me out. It said loving our neighbor. What is love? Wanting the best for someone and doing something about it. That's surrendering my desires and saying I'm going to give something to you. He continues in that passage. You did not choose me. Uh, this is important. You did not choose me, but I did what? I chose you and appointed you. I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and do what? That's right there. I in you, I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit. So that your fruit should abide because I am in you. The Spirit of God in you, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Are you responsible for your calling, Christian? Are you the, the beginner and the perfecter of your faith? The Bible says no. Who is the author and the perfecter of our faith? Who is it? I didn't hear y'all. Who was it? Jesus. Is the author 
and the perfecter of our faith. Because he chose us to bear fruit and he is in us to bear fruit. God has called you for a purpose. Let me read to you from what Peter said. But you are a chosen race, a chosen people. You are a chosen subset of people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. And and here it is, y'all. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God's calling for your life is not to catch lots of bass. And I'm not saying don't go catch a lot of bass. But I'm saying that's not God's calling for your life. His calling for your life is to be filled with the Spirit to accomplish His work of proclaiming the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Go catch your fish. Go score your touchdown. But you better do it like C.J. Stroud did this week when he said, they said, why are you doing this? You're having an amazing season. How are you able to do this? And he said, I thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I do this for him. He said, y'all go look at the interview. It's great. He said, I'm a Christian that plays football. I do this Because I'm a Christian. This is my platform to proclaim my faith. Good job, CJ. Catch your bass. That's your platform to proclaim your faith. Some of y'all don't like fishing. That's all right. Fill in the blank. All right. Let's keep going. John 15, 26. Watch this. The called are not left alone. The called are equipped. We have a military, one of the largest in all of the world. You know what our military does to its soldiers before they send them on the battlefield? Y'all help me out. Some of y'all have served or even have children or family members that serve. What do they do? First, you're going to go to basic training. And then you're going to go into specialized training. And then you might go into special operations. But they're not going to send James out into the army, into the battle that's going on in Ukraine or Wherever battles are going on. He's not trained for that. They're going to equip them with training and then give them the weapons, artillery, and tools they need to do their job. Right? Even the U.S. government gets something right, right? Jesus says in verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, Who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Who's he bearing witness to? (coughs) To them. To his disciples. He's talking to them, right? He's going to bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Who's going to bear witness as well? Same group, disciples, right? So here's the way it's going to work. The Father sends His Spirit 
to his disciples to bear witness to the truth, the spirit of truth, to the truth for them, to equip them for a job. Read the book of Acts, you'll find the job happening. We'll get the description of it. Missionary journeys, we talked about in Sunday school class. Three of them by Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark on theirs. You see the church equipping people to go do the job. All right, here's a question. What about you? Are you the same as the disciples here? Tristan, has the Holy Spirit of God given witness to you about what the truth is? It gives me a, a quick nod. Yeah, yeah. Miss Sarah, you back there? Hey. Did the Spirit of God, has He borne witness to you what the truth is? Yeah. Yeah. So do you think then, then when we read this about one group of people that have been borne witness to with a, a task to then bear witness to others, you think that probably applies to us as well? Yeah. Yeah, probably so, huh? There's a gentleman that I also listened to this week named Bart Ehrman. Anybody heard of Bart Ehrman? Anybody familiar with Bart Ehrman? (coughs) Bart Ehrman is a Bible teacher that you should not listen to. Bart Ehrman is employed by one of the universities. I don't know which but he knows the Bible. He probably knows it better than most of you in this room. That's not being ugly to you. Uh, he just knows the Bible a lot. He teaches it. He teaches the historicity of it and such. And I watched him on a lecture talk about the resurrection. Because I was studying the resurrection this week. And he gave all of the reasons why the resurrection could not be Believed. Wow, you can't believe it because they said there's one angel here and and Luke says there's two. And and, I mean, how can you believe people like that? And he had a litany of five or six, seven things. You can't believe the resurrection because even they didn't believe the resurrection. And he even said so much as to say, look, these things were written so many years after. After the resurrection happened. So they couldn't be true. The story just fabricated and grew and grew and grew. And you can't believe the stuff. It's not credible. I worked through all of those issues. and Here's the point. The point is this. That man knows the scripture. Now watch this though. He knows the words of the Bible. But he, he doesn't speak the language. Let me give you an illustration. I, I went to Haiti several times, y'all know that. And I learned lots of Haitian Creole words. Okay. I enjoyed it. I got to communicate it some ways to certain people who were really slow. But when I got down there and I started listening, 
It sounded like this. I knew lots of vocabulary, but when I was down there and they were talking 90 to nothing, it just sounded like a bunch of hubs I knew the words. I couldn't communicate. I couldn't understand what people were saying or talking about. I, I was lost most of the time. What's the difference? It, it wasn't clicking for me. What's the difference between a man like Bart Ehrman who knows the scripture and yet doesn't know the God of the scripture? What's the difference? It's the spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. So this morning, I want to ask you, is the spirit of the living God in you? I want you to consider this. Is the spirit of the living God in you? Now, some will say, well, I, there, there are many people who say, I don't want your spirit of God. Get away from me with your spirit of God stuff. And I've listed a couple of names. Those people would be, yeah, I want your spirit of God. Y'all know these people. You may live with some of them. I don't want your Jesus. Okay, there's, there's that kind of category of people, if you will. Then there's the people who say, oh, yeah, I mean, there's got to be a God, right? I mean, this is, look at, around, stuff's here. <laughs> Stuff had to come from somewhere. There's order to things. Order had to come from somewhere. There's intelligence. Intelligence had to come from somewhere. There are people who say, ah, randomness? Randomness doesn't make this. And then, eh, there's, there's got to be God, but... You saying I can't, I can't have relationships and intimacy with whoever I want to? I don't like that kind of God. I can't do this and that. Ah, yeah. That's that. That God is too rigid for me. And then there's a group of people who might say, "Yeah, there's a God. I know it. I know Jesus. But I really like the things I'm doing, and I know they're wrong." <laughs> Hmm. I, I think I'm a, I'm a hold off for right now. One day, I'll come back to Jesus. I know he's there, but I'm just catching too many fish. And then there's a group of people who are, say, yes, I, I believe in God. I'm surrendered to him. I want to be his witness. Man, I mess up every day. I fail. I I do things that aren't right. I lose my temper. But that doesn't define me. That's not who I want to be. I want to be committed follower of Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to say it this way. I think if you're in any boat but the last boat, you need to start asking a whole lot of questions to yourself. And you need to seek God's face. 
you need to do some serious self-examination and some Bible reading because Jesus made some pretty hard statements that unless you hate your, even your family, you're not worthy of being part of the kingdom of God. Jesus said anybody who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back doesn't find himself worthy to be in the kingdom of God and isn't. Is the Spirit of God in you? I think you recognize it by that humility that you have toward God. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. When you have that Holy Spirit humility in you, you know it. So let me close by saying this. If you are a Christian and are filled with the Spirit of God, and those are the same thing. You know you are. You know it. If you are not, you need to do some self-examination. And I urge you, cry out to God. Jesus saves sinners that repent. Last week we looked at hell is the consequence for sinners that don't repent. This week we say what? How do we know? Because the Spirit of God is in sinners that repent. And if you're not repenting of your sin, that's a pretty good sign to you. In fact, it's a really good sign to you that you need Jesus Christ. You need salvation. You need the Spirit of God. And so what do you do if you find yourself in that place? Let me tell you quickly, this is what you do. You fall on your face before the living God and say, I repent of my unbelief, O Lord Help me in my unbelief to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died, He was buried, He rose from the dead, and that I need to give my life to be an advocate in the kingdom, a worker in the kingdom of God. Help me, Lord. I do not, I am not where I want to be, but I give myself to you. When you surrender and believe by God, by the faith He will provide to you, believe Him, seek Him, trust Him. Be saved from your sin. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you with great joy because you've saved sinners that repent. Oh Lord, we love you. God, move. May your spirit move and have his way in us and in our families, in our community. God, move in our schools in our homes, in our workplaces. Move, Lord. Transform people. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.